4: Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on carnival.com. Ships registry, Bahamas, Panama.
3: We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
4: Our next guest is uh, Craig Melvin. He's the co-host of the Today Show and the author of the book, Pops, Learning to Be a Son and a Father. You may know Craig. He's an award-winning news anchor, as I said earlier, on the Today Show. You also have seen him on MSNBC Live and the host of Dateline. He's on the show discuss his book, Pops, Learning to Be a Son and a Father. It's the story of all the father figures in Craig's life. And that includes inspiring men from his program or his series called Dad's Got This series on NBC, NBC News today. These experiences and encounters have shaped Craig's understanding of his own role as a dad, and I'm sure I can be related we'll have a nice conversation since Father's Day has recently passed. He has two young children. Please welcome to Money Making conversation, my man Craig Milvin. How you doing, Craig? Well, Sean, I'm well. I'm well. Thank you so much
3: for uh, for having me. Uh, I always enjoy your conversation so I'd like to be a part of one.
4: Thank you, my man. Uh a Southern boy, South Carolina. Okay. There you go. You know, uh, I will you know, when I, when I see people on TV and you're so articulate, you there are no y'alls, there are no accents. How does a man come straight out of Columbia? And I know Columbia because Steve Harvey and I used to go down a lot performing at the Town Center, selling that place out all the time. So I'm very familiar with South Carolina, Charleston, that whole Low Country. There's no Low Country in your tone. What's going on here? How you how you break that Low Country accent? Low Country accent.
3: Oh, it's funny because I didn't I never I never had it. My mom. Uh, You'll appreciate this, uh, growing up in Houston, Mm -hmm. uh, the way that you grew up. My mom grew up in the projects Mm -hmm. and first in the family to go to college and first in the family to get a graduate degree. Mm -hmm. So when we came along, she wanted to expose us to to things and places that she had not been exposed to. And and consequently, I think I was probably 14 or 15 and she had us uh, take part in these oratorical contests. Right. Um, and, and that was, was kind of how it started. So I, 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 took, I took some public speaking classes and then these oratorical contests. And then the next thing you knew, I had what they, what they like to call in the business a, uh, a nondescript dialect. <laughs> where you, you, you can't really tell uh, based on listening to me uh, where I'm from. So it, yeah. It's a blessing now. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, it was always oh, he's, he's, he's talking white. He Absolutely, talks, he talks like a he talks like a white
4: boy. Uh, uh, so it's you know it's it, it was a curse. Now it's a blessing. Well, you know it's interesting because uh, I knew in my middle school. Yeah, I remember my teacher used to always ask me to read. Used to always ask me to read. And you know, people talk about bullying, and, and you know, when you people talk about, they call you snowflake. That was a oh, form yeah. of bullying. And then so it's it's popularized now because people are willing to talk about it, but we all grew up in some form of physical or mental abuse from high school kids or people in the neighborhood. And my I remember this 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 girl, she made such a big deal that I was always asked to read that it, it almost I have to say traumatized me because I, I I went exactly the opposite. I wanted to talk, I wanted to say ain't. I wanted to have, I wanted to slur my words, I wanted to fit in. And yeah. so, with you, I, I bring that story up because you talk about it because you was hit with it. You was hit, you know, talking why you want to act white, You you calling you snowflake. What kept you focused? What kept you from from veering off like I veered off? I veered off, and I said, "Hey, man, I want to fit in and not be me." You
3: know, I think it was, um, and I write about it in the book. My mother, my mother really was shot. I mean, she um, she she kept us on the straight and narrow at the time. Uh, we we resented the strictness. I mean, my mom, she knew all of our friends. Right. <laughs> she knew all of the parents. Uh, we weren't allowed to stay out past, you know, during the week, maybe mm-hmm. nine o'clock, maybe mm-hmm. on the weekends when kids were going to parties and having fun. I was doing oratorical contests and <laughs> tur- activities. And uh, I went to, in high school, I think I probably went to maybe, three high school football games on Friday night. I just, I didn't, I grew up on a very tight leash. Right. Um, and, and part of it was my mother overcompensating for, for my father not being the kind of dad that he should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of it was mom knew, she knew back then, I think, kind of what it took. She was a school teacher. Then she went into administration. She knew what it took um, to, to shape and mold uh, young black boys, especially. Right. And and that was it. Had it not been for her,
4: had I grown up in, in another house, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Well, you know, in writing your book, you know, the book we're talking about, talking, interviewing Craig Melvin, his book, Pops, Learning to Be a Son and a Father. Is it because of the fact that your father wasn't there, that she maybe overcompensated and wanted to make sure you didn't, you had a better life or you pursued the options, even though I knew she went to college? And I think yeah. at the age of 22 is when she became pregnant with you. Mm-hmm. But talk about that in the middle of it because as we talk about trying to shape you because of the fact that you've been shaped by a lot of people, especially the stories. We're going to talk about the, the prison incident when you was out at Camp Grace, how that really kind of like started you in this direction of humanizing all men, especially men who are incarcerated. Talk about your mom and her role versus your dad role, because you mentioned it just a little bit. But yeah. that centers around us getting into the story and your father changing his life at the age of 67.
3: So mom, yeah, mom, mom, mom had to play the role of mom and dad uh, for a, the better part of my childhood. Right. Um, it was, it was, it was a role that she was, you know, she was fortunately well prepared for it because uh, she ended up, she had to take care of her three younger siblings um, when she was in college, and her father uh, skipped out on the family, ended mm-hmm. up um, essentially dying on the streets in and, and squalor. Um, but no, a hey, mom. Because my father was not physically uh, present as often as I would have liked, and my younger brother would have liked, and my older brother as well, mom stepped in to, to fill the gap. She filled the she filled the void, and not just not just being present in the sense of, uh, Sean, uh, uh, little league games or soccer games or or concerts. Not just physically present, but 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 emotionally present, right? Uh, spiritually present. Right. I mean, the, the relationship that I have. Uh, with God is because of, of my mother's relationship mm-hmm. uh, with, with God. So it, it, was, um, it was divine intervention. You know, had I had any other mother, it, things would not have, have gone um, the, the way that they did. But, you know, it's, it's also, and I write about in the book, as you know, and mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate the fact that you read the book. You'd be surprised how often you talk to people about books <laughs> and they haven't read word one. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I can tell you read the whole thing. And I write about in the book, my father, I asked him during the course of my, my interviews with him for the book. I said, Pops, what was the most money you ever wasted mm-hmm. without missing a beat? He said it was about $1,500 back in 1986. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that was a lot of money back then. What would you spend that money on? Right. He said, that's how much That's how much it cost to put my daddy in the ground. Mm-hmm. And in, in in that moment, I realized um, that while I had been frustrated by the lack of relationship I had with my dad, it was exponentially better than the relationship he had with his own father. Right, He didn't even know who his dad was until he was almost a teenager. So it, it, was, it was wholly unrealistic of me to expect him to be the kind of dad that I had, had come to, to, to idolize. He, he couldn't be it because he hadn't seen it, and you can't be something. It, or scratch that, it's really hard to be something Yes. If, 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 you, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't been exposed to it. So that's what my dad was up against.
2: It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. You're right where you belong. So, this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com.
3: And we're live here outside the Perez family home, just waiting for the. And there they go! Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags, daughter is bringing up the rear.
0: Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed.
3: Diapers and toys are everywhere
0: They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world.
4: Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Well, you know, when I when I read the book, you know, um, you know, I heard shotgun house. Okay, I, I grew up in it. I was born in a shotgun house, two-bedroom shotgun house. A lot of people, if you listen to shotgun house, open the front door, shoot a gun out, shotgun out the, through the... Go out the front back door. Don't hit anything. That's a shotgun house. Okay. Yo. Uh, you you reference pig feet. Grew up with pig feet, my man. Hey, I oh, wouldn't man. touch them now, Greg. I wouldn't touch them. <laughs> but oh, oh. but pig feet were, were, were part of my lifestyle, and so that's the southern. I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm from the South. It was it was a lifestyle that was normal to me, but it was also a community lifestyle of, of people taking care of each other, and that was really important. Not only your dad, even though there were some missteps, there was still people there to take care of him you know to make sure he was focused to shout at him as he became an adult there were people in the community that's really important in this book that no matter what there's some form of family tied to your story and the people in your life talk about that
3: you know it's a it's it's funny because long before uh people started talking about it taking a village Mm -hmm. uh to 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 rear a child, I, I had a village. We, you know, it wasn't called that back back in the eighties in South Carolina. Back in the eighties and nineties, when I grew up, but I, I I had a village, and 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 yes, there were uh, a number of men um, who played the role of dad along the way. My uncle James, my uncle Jake, my uncle Frank, um, but th- there were also a lot of women that, that that played the part as well. I I was disciplined, and I think that's the politically correct term. <laughs> I was I was disciplined by more women growing up than than men. Whether it was my mom or or one of my aunts or my grandma, I spent a lot of time with mm-hmm. my two grandmothers growing up, mm-hmm. and and they really uh, shaped me in myriad ways that I didn't fully appreciate until I was older. Right. Uh, but and then after that, I had coaches along the way. I always God always blessed me with 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 people along the road. Right. Uh, that that gave me a little part of, of something that I was I was able to take and build on. Right, it's difficult for young black men especially. It's it's difficult to to learn how to carry yourself in this world um, with without examples of it. And and I I had lots of examples, thankfully, along the way. But the reality is, as you know, Sean, a lot of kids don't have that. A right. lot of kids don't. They just. You know, through no fault of their own, mind you. Mm-hmm. They, they, they they don't have a, a mother or a father or an uncle or an aunt mm-hmm. to take their hand uh, on this journey of life. And so they end up finding role models uh, that, that should not be held up or that should right. not be on a pedestal. And right. they begin to to emulate them.
4: You know, the, the thing I really like about your book is that sometimes uh, because I, I, my father was a truck driver you know so you know when he wasn't driving trucks you know he was uh he was he wasn't really connected to me i could i can tell you he was my father, I can tell you that. My mom was there for me. My mom pushed me. My mom always felt that I could be somebody special in life. Uh, when your father showed up for your ball game, that, that memory, you don't know if you got to hit a home run or you get, or got, or got struck out every time you went up the bat, but you remember that moment. And then when your mom rescued you when you thought uh, you had uh, entered early fatherhood, <laughs> you know, those are two moments that really i bring up those two moments, Craig, because— Despite of all the things we do in our life, there are always memories that really some haunt people, some inspire people. Your father showing up for your game and your mom I basically coming to the rescue because she did something that enabled you to relax. Talk about those two key moments of parenting. Even though your father wasn't there, that was a key parenting moment that he provided for you. That stays with you today. It probably carries into your parenting with your with your children today. And then your mom being there for you at a moment of doubt, frustration, fear. But both of them were there at different times.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're talking about the part of my book where I, uh, I I I I almost became a teenage father. I was almost a, a statistic at the age of fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, no less. I, I made a, a a a a bad choice. I made mm-hmm. a bad choice, and you know what? I write about it because I, I wrote about it because I wanted people to understand. Uh, there, but for the grace of God, go I. And 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 I think a lot of folks can relate to this this idea that you know there's that night or sometimes that day, but usually it's it's that night where you went left, but you could have gone right. Right. Went right. And 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 had you made a different decision, it would have altered the course of your life in a dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Um, that almost happened to me. I got mm-hmm. lucky, and and, and I, at that point in my life, I was I didn't have much of a relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was afraid of my mother, uh, deathly afraid, <laughs> so I couldn't talk to her about it. And, and it was a situation where you know this young lady was convinced she was pregnant and I like I had to I had to do something this was not one of the situations where uh inaction was an option right and um, and I write in the book about how I went to my my aunt and it was my aunt that finally convinced me that I had no choice but to talk to my mother right uh, but my mom has always been long before we started calling people fixers my right. mom was a fixer like it was It was, um, that, that obviously was an extreme example, but there were so many other times in my life where I thought I was out of options. (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to do. And I prayed to God and (laughs) put trust in Betty Jo Melvin and, and Betty Jo Melvin always came through and still does now, mind you, in a different way. My dad, you know, wrote about that, that, that part in the book with Sean, where he showed up at my little league game and the memory stayed with me, uh, because it was so rare to that point. My, my dad um, and, and again, now looking back on it, knowing what we know about addiction, about mm-hmm. it being a disease and not a weakness, mm-hmm. I understand why he wasn't there. I understand why he had walled himself off from our family and society at large. But back then I was a kid, you know, right. I was a kid who wanted my, my, my dad to, to be proud of me and see me, uh, and certainly watch, watch my little league games. And so when he showed up, uh, that evening and I saw him uh, down the third base line there on the on the fence. It's a, it's a memory that that stayed with me because it was so rare. That being said, now um, he's everywhere. Like yes. I, you know, I, he was up two weeks ago. My son had a soccer game. My dad was right there with me on the sideline. <laughs> um, and thirty seconds in, my my boy hadn't scored a goal all season. Thirty seconds in, dribble, 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 shoot, score, first goal of the game. And, and me and my pops are high-fiving like he had just won a green jacket at Augusta.
4: Yes.
3: NPS, CSAT, Average Handling Time. Sometimes taking your brand's customer experience to the next level can seem like an uphill battle filled with thorny metrics challenges. But it doesn't have to be this way, thanks to Ubiquity. If you have call volume surges, seasonal staffing fluctuations, or new service offerings, fill these holes with Ubiquity partner you can count on. Receive a free, customized consultation at ubiquity.com. That's U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com.
0: What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
4: You know, um, it was it, the book is um an emotional book. Uh, I would say emotional because I told people when I get a book like this, I have to slow read it because sometimes they hit points where I go oh, oh, oh I'm about to I'm about to go there I'm not let me finish this moment and because um, I remember a, a moment with my dad um, 1992 when I uh, owned a comedy club and my dad had never ever been to anything I've been and he just showed up at the comedy club and uh, it was sold out and I looked in the lobby and said what you doing here dad he go I come to see my son
3: oh, and, and he man. looked
4: around and he looked wow this you this you this you and I went, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, because I always said sir to my dad. Yeah. And uh, and he said, he said, you, he said, I'm proud of you, son. And um, and and like I said, this is the, because that's what the book did to me as a dad. Because when you start talking about an incarceration, and you talk about remember you talk, you said earlier right turn, left turn, those turns. I, I always say that when I was in college, you know, you you pledged the fraternity, I pledge Omega sci-fi and you always do stupid things i remember the the big brother said we want some plants well we didn't have no money and so uh i remember this was just giant open field where they had plants back in the day and me and my lion brothers we went and stole these plants man i mean if you look back on it craig from the freeway you would have seen us running across this field with these plants okay so anybody could have went what are those black dudes boys doing running with all these giant plants And I had a little Fiat uh, X19, which is a two seater, and the truck was in the front. So (laughs) I had to put the plants in the front and it was blocking my windshield. So uh, all along the way, I could have stopped by the police and been incarcerated. And my life could have changed on that right turn, left turn that you were talking about earlier you are meeting men who've done something far worse than what I've talked about, but they have made a mistake. And sometimes because they've made a mistake, we don't give them a second chance because we feel that they are unworthy of that second chance. (laughs) And then in your book, you talk about, guess what? They are fathers too. Let's talk about that journey of, of you doing a story. I think basically changed your life and it started with Camp Grace.
3: Yeah, it was uh, one of the most impactful stories I've ever done. Uh, There's a, And I don't even remember how we found out about this camp, but um, I was probably reading some article in in an obscure publication about this um, summer camp at a maximum security uh, prison in uh, California, Salinas State Valley Prison is the name of the facility. And for one week every summer, um, they bring in about a dozen or so kids to basically have a, a camp experience with their dads. I mean, you know, arts and crafts, and they play games and they sing songs and they do all the stuff that you would <laughs> do at a, at a camp. I mean, these kids are between the ages of, you know, seven or eight and and 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys who are part of the program have to um, exhibit good behavior for right. a full year. The the, the camp is a, it's a privilege. And um, I went out and spent some time talking to these guys. And it ended up being just a, an emotional day because right. these, these are men, first of all, most of them are not going to be getting out of prison. I mean, they've, some of them have, have, have been convicted of, of doing some pretty heinous things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the two women that started the camp, um, both of their husbands were incarcerated and consequently mm-hmm. uh, weren't really a part of the, the, the child's lives. They would get the re- occasional visit, you know, on a weekend, and you've got the glass, and, but they weren't able to really be a part of the child's life. So they came up with this idea for a camp. And I talked to one of the guys out there and I asked him the question I knew a lot of people were going to be asking when they watched or, or read the story How can someone um, accused of some of the things these guys were accused of, how, how, in what universe do they deserve the right to spend time? With, with, a, with a child. Yes. And without missing a beat, uh, he said to me, tears in his eyes. Um, they might be right. I, I may not deserve it. But you know what, Craig? My kids do. Right. My kids, my kids deserve to know their father. They didn't do anything uh, wrong. They didn't make any bad choices. Uh, And his larger point, and I think this was just as valid, if we're serious about stopping uh, the the, the prison pipeline that we always talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, then then we need to make sure that kids of of incarcerated individuals have relationships with them. He spent a fair amount of his time talking to his daughter about choices, making good choices, not ending up where he ended up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a fantastic program, and it moved me. It it also moved me, uh, Rashawn, because... You know, my grandmother, and it's the first line in the book, not to give away too much, but, you know, my my grandmother, uh, now when I knew her, she was either boarding, <laughs> yes. she was going to church, at church, or coming right. home from church. Like, she, <laughs> she only loved the Lord.
4: Yes. Uh, but apparently, long before I came along. Well, the, I'll tell uh, what, Craig, let's just say she's a bootlegger. I don't want to give away no more than that. Just say she's a bootlegger. I don't want to give away the earlier part, okay? She's a bootlegger. <laughs> she was a bootlegger. She <laughs> was a bootlegger.
3: And, um, and, and and got a second chance. Yes, he did. And had she not gotten a second chance, uh,
4: who's to say w- whether I would be here right now? You know? But well, here's the thing I want to point out about that. Now, his grandmother was in the same jail that Martha Stewart was in. Yes. So she got how many chances that she's got? Okay. But- but in the same facility now, and so, so when I when I when I read the book and i and, and and I'm, I'm and it's it, like I said, it's an emotional journey because it's your story, but it's a relatable story because I remember when my younger brother was incarcerated in California, and uh, glass talking, and uh, and I was in tears, and 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 he told me he couldn't cry. He said, I wish I, I can't cry. I can't. They can't." He said, "I can't." And my nickname is Ricky. He said, "Ricky, I can't cry because they see me crying out here. I, I pay a price." when I go back inside mm-hmm. and in that book, you know, the gentleman you interviewed and he said, look, he said, thank God I have a cell by myself because yep. now I can cry. And yep. so I love the fact that you were humanizing people. Cause we, we see these, we see this, we see the violent size and nobody's trying to downplay that, but right. we have made mistakes. There are people on the other side of this that have to deal with it. Emotionally, mm-hmm. these are kids. And like one of them said, look, um, it's all right early on when you're playing cards and you're playing catch, but when they become teens, the conversation becomes different, yeah. and that's what fatherhood's all about. Which leads to your whole life of being a father, being connected to your dad, and now being a present-day father. Let's talk about that, Greg. You
3: know what? It, it, um, I I think that um, I think that you can be shaped by negative examples. Yes. Uh, um, just as much as you can be shaped by positive examples. In fact, I think in some instances, maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growing up, I, I didn't know the kind of man that I wanted to be. Um, I didn't certainly know the kind of father that I wanted to be. But up until a few years ago, I knew I didn't want to be anything anything like my dad. Yes. Um, and, and 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 that was what, what motivated me personally and professionally, probably to a certain extent, now that, I, now that I'm, I'm talking about it. But uh, no, it, it's... it's it's funny because I have to remind my kids sometimes that I have a job and, and, and consequently, I, I cannot be at their beck and call uh, day and night. Uh, because, you know, when my dad was there when we were younger, it was it was big. Like it was a wedding or a funeral yes. or graduation or that, that little league game that I, I write about that I remember because it was so weird. Dad didn't show up for stuff in part because he worked third shift at the post office. But in, in larger part, because because of the addiction issues that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, I've, I've gone to the other end of the spectrum. So, if you know, I'm there for soccer games. And my daughter yes. had a, a gymnastics recital last Sunday morning. And, you know, some I'm, I'm physically present as often as and as much as I can. You know, pick I do school pick up and drop <laughs> up. try to do it all because, you know, my dad didn't do any of it. Now, mm-hmm. now the problem. That, that, that you create when you do that. And I, it took me a while to figure this out. I've created expectations. Yes. So if if I'm not there, to go, like, oh, daddy's got to travel uh, for work. Well, daddy, why can't you, why, can you take a later flight? Or maybe, can you go tomorrow? And I've had to say a few times, you know that it's the job that pays for all of this. <laughs> you, know, you don't get to go to dance or you don't get to go to soccer if daddy's not hopping on plane absolutely like, absolutely so that that's the that's the that's the, the unfortunate part but they're you know they're starting to understand but it's funny as you become a parent how you at some point become you become the kind of uh, for me at least the kind of father that i used to mock yes i hate it when my dad would talk about you know how much something costs and yes. we don't have money for this <laughs> and and, and, we, and when we were younger We didn't like he wasn't lying. Like we knew we didn't have a lot of money. We knew we had enough. With my kids, you know, I've I've said a few times that we can't afford this, and my son without missing a beat will say, "Yes, we can." (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can. And I'm like, and then you then you find yourself trying to come up with a a new excuse, like, uh, "Well, maybe we can't afford it, but that we don't need it. You don't need that." right, right, right,
4: right. You know, so it's. uh,
3: it's hard. It's you know, hard. It, it,
4: it, I know we're about to wrap up. But I want to bring up a very um, a, a, a fun moment as a parent that I, I, I want to share with you because you wrote about it when your son climbed in the bed and, you know, okay. and then your kids, when they sleep, if you if you don't have kids, children, if you got a very young child. Yeah. When they climb in the bed, they forget you in bed. They, they Kids, kids are mess. the worst sleepers in the world, especially when they get that six to 10 years of age.
0: They're oh, the yeah. worst sleeper.
4: And so, when you said that in the book, you say you, you 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 may miss that. I remember when I, I talked to my daughter when she was like seventeen. I said, "Hey, won't you won't you hop in bed and watch a TV sit? What you talking about? I said, you know. Can we not watch a TV? Can we not watch TV together? Remember we used to go, I don't do that no more, Dad. Uh-uh. No, no, we're not doing that. So I would tell you this, Craig, that moment brought, brought laughter to me. It brought back memories. As your book, you know, the, the amazingly good book, Pops, Learning to Be a Son and a Father, man. Uh, it's a great read. And, 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 like I said, it slowed me. When I said the word slowed me because I was becoming emotional. Because, like I said, my father was a beer drinker. My father worked hard as a truck driver. My father, like I said, was he in my life? I don't know. But did he shape me to be the man I am today? Yes, he did, because he had a role in it. And that, that role has made me to be the man I am. I like to believe I'm a good parent to my daughter, a good husband to my wife. And uh, those are the things that that the stories that you tell out of this book, from the incarcerated, to uh, in- individuals who raised you as a family, the community, and whether it's teachers who shaped you as third grade teachers who shaped you, as as you go through life and, and you went to school, or you, you didn't want to didn't want to shame your uncle when you didn't pledge cap outside psi, <laughs> but it was all good, man. I, I love your book, Craig. I want to appreciate you for putting it out there, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. You're very good at what you do. Thank you for having me. Okay, we talk soon, man. <laughs> I'm going to put this out. I got like, I got a nice little social media. I'm going to put that out there in my, my newsletter. We're going to get that out there for you. Okay, Craig?
3: Thank you, sir. Be I well, okay?
4: You. All right, bye-bye. If you <laughs> want to see or hear any of my interviews on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
2: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones.
0: Because for years he's only said, "Only you can prevent wildfires." But there's a lot more to say. Like if you park your car on tall, dry grass, the hot exhaust pipe can start a wildfire. So keep the animals safe, especially the cute shirtless one. Go to Smokeybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the ad council.
1: When's the last time you took a time I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.